welcome to another Coffee Cast with Cation. Mike Cation joining you. Coffee Cast is brought to you by New Balance. Joined today, episode number two, Bjorn Fratangelo, 24 year old out of Plum, Pennsylvania. We, you, you keep saying Pittsburgh, but you're from Plum, yes? Yeah, Plum is a uh, Plum Borough is a suburb. It's 25 minutes like outside of downtown. So okay. if you want to get really technical, yeah, I'm from Plum Borough. Yeah. 119 in the world. Brad Stein, your coach. Big year for you, Newport semifinalist. You're a grass court specialist now. Yeah. We all know that. Uh, two-time challenger champion. And uh, we're meeting today at Panera, the fantastic coffee shop that is Panera. But it's obviously kind of crucial because you've got a you've got a big match today. Right. So you're starting your day right with a little breakfast. So we we may you know this is not exactly the the premium coffee. Somewhere Tim Smichek is mocking us. Yeah. Well, you know Tim. Tim I'm not as trendy as Tim. I'm trying to grow the beard. You know, but I think his was better than mine too when he had it as well. But uh, no, it's uh, it's all good. It seems like uh, you seem to be a coffee guy too. Uh, what do you look for when you're heading to a coffee shop uh, on the road? Um, I don't know. Really, I, I don't know. My dad is actually a huge coffee connoisseur. He um, gets all his beans raw and roasts them himself okay. and you know does the whole thing. Our coffee machine on our countertop at home literally looks like a space shuttle, you know, like ready to take launch. Um, you know, he's super into it, and, you know, I think it's just part of, like, being Italian. Yeah. Know, the whole European mentality sort of, you know, coffee starts the day. Yeah. Also, like, my entire family ends the day with it as well, so after dinners and stuff, my dad will pop an espresso, which I don't do, but... I can't understand that, and you're you're eating because, obviously, this is the start of your day, so keep right. eating. Okay. But, um, like, I, I've never understood people who can have coffee at the end of the day. Like, uh, Ruan Rulofsa, a double specialist, who I, I talk to sometimes, he's always getting a coffee at 6 or 7 in the evening, and I, I'm just like, I, I'm going to stay up till 3 a.m. at that point, and I just can't, I, I can't fathom it. Yeah, you know what? The caffeine doesn't really affect me either. Okay. I think at night, um, it definitely jumpstarts me, but at night, I don't feel it either. I don't really know why. Maybe just growing up, kind of like that, people get used to it. I guess. I know if he doesn't have it, he gets a little grumpy, <laughs> so you should definitely keep having it. Uh, you are going with a drip coffee today, just a brew coffee. Uh, I'm going with the the standard vanilla latte. vanilla latte. Yes, right. it's uh, it's a bad thing that you know what I drink. Hot, not iced though. I know. You know, it's it's a little chilly out here in Knoxville. <laughs> it sure is. Uh, so Plumboro, Pennsylvania. Uh, you don't consider that Midwest, correct? Or, uh, I mean, it, it's funny, like we were saying before we got on there here, um, people from Pittsburgh, I don't think would consider Pittsburgh a Midwestern, you know, side of Pennsylvania. I, I think people consider it the Northeast. I mean, my section when I was growing up for tennis is middle states. Yeah. Um, but people that aren't from, you know, Pennsylvania or Pittsburgh, I think do consider at least Western PA part of the Midwest. So, I mean, it's... Uh, it's certainly close. I'm yeah. close to Cleveland. I'm close to you know parts of Ohio. Right. Um, but I yeah, I would consider it more of like a northeastern state. It's interesting. I, yeah, because I I do consider Ohio, Pennsylvania. Please keep eating. Uh, I I know this is awkward to do no, no, an no. interview over over food, but um, it's a it's a really interesting thing because obviously there are not a ton of players who come out of the Midwest. Um, I'm, I'm from six hours away right. uh, in, in Illinois myself. So are, do you consider yourself an outsider at all in that regard? And, and how, I feel like you're a little bit of a different breed 
being from the Midwest, the Northeast, if yeah. you will, then, then I think a lot of the guys who are from Florida, California, the traditional states. Yeah, um, maybe as far as, you know, tennis is concerned. It, I mean, Pittsburgh tennis is really uh, not that big of a hotbed. Yeah. Um, we've had some decent players, some good college players. Uh, and then obviously, like myself, Allison Risk, who's, you know, doing really well. Is from Pittsburgh. We've had some good college guys. Casey Watt played for Notre Dame. Chris Mangle played for Duke. Um, you know, Renee Urofsky played for Michigan. Yeah. And she's she's trying to play now um, on the women's tour. But um, yeah, no, I think there's there was really ever there was no depth in our city as far as tennis was concerned. But we've always had, you know, I feel like at least in middle states we've always we we always had the best players. So you know. It was a rivalry between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, who's better, you know, <laughs> like everything else. Um, but no, it, it is a little different because I'm not from Florida, even though I spent, you know, a few of my teen years sure. in Naples and, you know, now living, when I was living in Boca Raton and now Orlando. So, uh, you know, it definitely serves its purpose now, but, you know, I'm proud to say that, that I grew up in, in, you know, a northern state and, and kind of tried to do this. It's, um, I, I think... In terms of values, uh, people t- typically say that Midwestern, there's a little bit more, uh, people are a little bit more earnest. Um, the, the idea that you're, if you're walking down the streets of Chicago, people are going to say hello. Yeah. And things have changed a little bit now in, in terms of culture, just nationally. But um, I, I, I tend to see that. Uh, we had Tim Smichek on the first coffee cast, and you as well. I, I do tend to think you guys have, typically there's, um, I don't know how to say this, Right, but there there is a little bit more earnest uh, about you in terms of just the willingness to interact with people. Do you do you sense that there's a little bit uh, different than maybe some of the guys who are raised in different areas of the country? I mean, I I don't know really. I can only speak for for myself, and you know, I, mean, I think that comes from my parents and, mm-hmm. and you know just how I was raised. And um, you know, they always taught me to treat people with respect and acknowledge people when they're around. And I'm not someone that especially if I know you that I'm going to walk past you and just blow by you without even, you know, looking your yeah. way. So I'm just not that kind of guy. And I feel like it's almost even more awkward if you do that rather than, yeah. than say hello. But, you know, I mean, look, everyone is a, is a person that deserves a hello or goodbye or anything. I mean, that was, I feel like that's first and foremost before tennis, before sports, before fame, before anything else. You know, I feel like, you know, they say sometimes fame changes people, and maybe it does, but, I, you know, if I ever go higher and higher, and, you know, let's hope I do, I, I can't see that ever changing. It's just part of who I am, and, you know, I, I feel like I'm pretty well-liked, and I'd like to, you know, keep it that way. Do you consider yourself famous? I know no, that sounds like a weird question, not, but... Not at all. Not me. I mean, <laughs> I need to do a few more things in the sport before I consider myself famous. Well, you were uh, originally we were going to have you as as guest number one last week in Charlottesville. Uh, unfortunately, you had that loss to, to Tim, and we don't talk tennis on this this particular podcast. But it was it was interesting because I could tell right after the, the you lost your doubles match, you're just like I'm I'm done, I'm out, got to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, so we had to reschedule for this week, and and I guess I wanted to use that just to talk a little bit about schedule. Yep. Um, and balance in your life, uh, not just you, but all, all tennis players. How, how do you do that so that you're making sure to balance what, what you need to do on a tennis court with what you need to do as a human being? 
it's really hard. I mean, your whole day is, is tennis, you know, and your whole life is, is, this, is this sport and everything you do on a daily basis is, you know, trying to make yourself better as a tennis player, what I'm eating, what I'm drinking, what I'm thinking about, how much sleep am I getting, you know, am I training the right amount of hours, is it too little, is it too much? I mean, there's so many things that uh, all of us, you know, I think take into consideration every single day, and especially now that the sport's become so professional. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's way more professional now than it ever is. And you can see it even, you know, with the, the dining areas around the, the tournament sites, food has become so big and everyone is, you know, so healthy now. And there's bacon in my bagel, which probably shouldn't be there, but, you know, I don't think it's going to kill me at least today, so I'm going to, you know, keep eating it. Yeah, right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is important to have have the right balance and know when to take your off weeks and, and really have an off week or whether, you know, you feel a little bit broken down maybe you do need a training week or a week to you know get your body back or just a week or two to practice if you're not playing that well because it's hard to kind of practice out here when you're you know in tournament mode and everybody just kind of wants to play points and you feel like you can't really do your own thing especially for guys that don't have a coach which there's a lot of them out there as well yeah so yeah it's really difficult and I feel like if I had the right answer, then, you know, maybe you wouldn't have seen me, like, as down and out as I was last week, and, but I'm still learning, and, and uh, you know, I think scheduling a couple of years ago, reducing it was huge for me, because I felt like I was playing a ton, and also I was winning a lot of matches, yeah. so it was, you know, you're even adding more weight to that, um, but I feel like this year has been a little bit better, I feel like I've spent more time in my own apartment than I ever have before, and, uh, and you know, which is good. Obviously, it started with my knee, you know, and so that wasn't a good way to start it. Right. But, you know, I, I don't feel necessarily beat up scheduling-wise this year. Um, you know, I, I know that next week for me is a home week, mm-hmm. my, my lone home week uh, of the year where I get to work at home. Do you, do, do you have any ideas of how you can actually spend more time at home, not necessarily training during the year? Um, should there be some sort of, you know, idea of trying to get more events at the USTA hub so you're actually, you know, trying to find some ways to spend more time? I mean, that would be great. We have a couple future events now, yeah. um, but I don't think there's there's no challengers. I don't know if they're they're in the works to try to have have them. I mean, it would be a great place. We have unlimited courts. Mm-hmm. There's a stadium court. Yeah. You know, I mean, they can make it into a really nice event, but. Um, you know, I don't know. That that would be awesome, though, to have a tournament at home. I only know what that's like when I was playing the Pittsburgh Future, yeah. you know, a few years back. And that's the only taste I really got to actually be in my own bed. And I made finals that year, <laughs> 2011. And, Strange and how that works. Yeah, out. it was pretty good. <laughs> um, so when you're on the road as much as you are, 30 weeks a year-ish, yeah. um, and, I, and I know I suffer from this a lot as well, you, it feels like you have friendships or relationships or whatever that are almost like virtual friendships, yeah. virtual relationships. Definitely. For you, it's a little bit different. You know, obviously, you and Mitch have been as close as it gets for so many years, and, and I'd assume that tennis players are the overwhelming majority of, of your friends. How do you maintain relationships, be they romantic, be they just a, a guy friend? How, how do you maintain those relationships when you are traveling and you're not able to see, touch, interact with a human being very often? I mean, it, it is a little bit difficult, you know. Um, 
I probably lost touch with a lot of my friends at home yeah. in Pittsburgh. You know, I have one uh, one of my best friends who I've you know been friends with since kindergarten that really I still keep in touch with, and you know we talk a lot. And when I'm home, I always you know see him and and stuff. But besides that, I mean, it, it even it even goes to to my family. I mean, I'm, I have a really big close family in, in Pittsburgh, and I have a lot of cousins, and they're like brothers to me. But yeah. You know, I mean, from both ends, I don't think we could we could keep in touch, you know, better than we do, and and it, it is a little bit hard because you feel like the only people you talk to really are your parents and your coaches and and the players that uh, yeah. you're here. And if like you talk to somebody outside of that, it's just briefly, and you know, if they don't play the sport, they don't really understand, and you try to make them understand, but I think sometimes they still don't get it. Um, so you know it is it is a little bit difficult, but I mean as far as uh, those relationships, I mean I think it's huge to to have the balance, like you said, you know earlier. It can't be all tennis all the time, mm-hmm. and if it is, you know most likely all of us are gonna want to blow our brains out, you know. So <laughs> yeah. to have the balance of whether it's romantic or just friends that that you have that have don't care how you are as a tennis player and don't care that you're winning or losing, I think that's that's huge for all of us and, and you know it, it's something I think everyone needs yeah it's it's interesting because like I, I when you have those superficial relationships where you're only able to interact with somebody uh, just a couple of times I know for me I'm just a tennis broadcaster not a tennis player it's just like housewife on the tour that's the extent of the conversation that's what they know about me that's what they're able to say and I'm sure it's got to be double that for you like yeah. people are just going to say did you win last week yeah and that's yeah. Like, well, no, because I only win maybe once or twice a year. Right. But yeah, <laughs> you know, like, that's a tough it, thing too. Yeah. How do you how do you uh, kind of force that conversation so you're talking about something that doesn't involve tennis? It is. Uh, it's really tough, and I think it may be even tougher for me because of my name. Yeah. Um. So you know that gets brought up too, and and that's something I wish that it could just be put to bed, but it never will be, and I, and I know that. Um. You know, I, I want to point out, I don't think I've ever, in the 60 Bjorn Fratangela matches, I don't think I've ever brought up your name. You are the only person I'm ever sure. to do that. I'm sure. Yeah, so good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, also. <laughs> You're very welcome. I also know how to say your name. Uh, that's, okay, I, you know, I wasn't even going to bring that up, mm-hmm. but broadcasters, PA announcers, chair officials... It's always Fran Tangelo. Yeah. Like, I know I'm not even you. I want to go choke people when I hear Fran Tangelo. Yeah. You know what? I don't know how that imaginary end gets there. <laughs> I really don't. And it's not just me. It's the rest of my family. Like, ever if telemarketers call. Yeah. It's always Fran Tangelo. We, we don't understand it. We don't know how you can put an extra letter in there that doesn't exist. You know, and, and have it be such a hard, like, Fran. Because they really emphasize, like, the first it really is. four letters, you know. It's not, yeah, it's not even just, like, a quiet end. It's like, no, it's, that it's is the most important letter in, in that name. In all of the letters, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't know why. I guess for Tangelo, it's just too difficult. It really is. I, you know, I guess... We Americans are kind of dumb sometimes, you know? <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when you're, when you're talking about these relationships, how, uh, how important is it when you do get home 
Um, you know, you've got Mitch as a, a roommate down in Orlando, and obviously so many of the other players are there. Do you have friends that are outside of the sport, and, and what do you do? In Orlando, no. Okay. Um, everybody there is, is basically, you know, there for the same reason. Yeah. Um, I've only been living there almost a year, so I haven't met anybody outside of, of tennis that, you know, I can really call a friend. I haven't really met anybody outside of tennis period there. Um, when's, okay, so when's the last time you developed a friendship with someone outside of the sport? Uh, I don't know. And it would have to go back to, to when I was in school. That's so crazy to me. I mean, I guess when you're just immersed in it, you know, forever and ever, it's yeah. it's hard because may, I mean, maybe if I was training in Pittsburgh and I still had friends that I grew up with, and you know, I could branch off to their friends, yeah, and, and you know, because they all went to college and, and this and that. But I mean, you know, doing what I did and, and you know, moving to Boca and stuff, it's like you're you're surrounded by the people you know and. You know, unless you go out on a night out or something and, and meet someone that's really of interest, you know, and you guys keep in touch, whoever, guy, girl, whoever it is, I mean, right. I feel like that's the only way you're going to do it, or I don't know if it's just random, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, no, no it, ha- it, has, it hasn't happened. In a, uh, you know, I don't I, mean that in a, like a depressing way no, no, no. by any way, shape, or form, because I also tend to think with you particularly, you, you would have stayed pretty grounded you the relationships you do have yeah. you maintain yeah and I try to yeah there's yeah. there's value to that yeah I mean there are like like I said my one buddy at home you know I always make a point to talk to him and, and you know we've been friends since we were six years old and that's something I definitely don't want to lose I mean he's he's my best friend and he's you know almost like family and, yeah. and stuff like that but you know other friends that I had in school I basically you know lost touch with and, and stuff and um you know, it's it's unfortunate that the sport is is uh, so global, and you know, 11 months out of the year doesn't make it any easier because your off season, really, the off season is just like not even existing. <laughs> it's um, Thanksgiving week. Yeah, it's the most overhyped <laughs> thing in the world, and uh, even even the off season in terms of preseason, the training time is really so overhyped as well. I mean, it's three weeks without tournaments, and then yeah. you go to Australia. So. You know, when I keep hearing off season, off season, off season, it's like, all right, it's just 20 days without, <laughs> without a tournament. It's no big deal. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a bummer. But I love everyone you know that I know in, in, in Orlando. I mean, we have a great group of people, and everybody gets along. You know, I know these friendships will be lifelong. Yeah. Well, you, you and I both, you so, you more so than than me. We travel a ton. We are constantly on planes. Uh, and I, I wanted to kind of lighten up and talk a little bit about your travel tips. Like okay. you have, you have this unique ability. Uh, you've, you've got a good friend in Stan Boster, who I know has. Uh, yeah. He, he manages to help take care of you a little bit when you're on some of the longer flights. But, yeah. You know, you did that, that overseas trip in September. Um, you, you obviously go to Australia every year, maybe sometimes twice in a year. What, uh, what is the secret for you in terms of maintaining health? in terms of maintaining, you know, some sort of comfort when you're on the road? Um, I think for me now that I've gotten used to it, it's just a part of, 
the job, you know? I mean, I feel like everybody has a part of the job that they don't enjoy, and this would definitely be my part. Um, I don't enjoy flying. I don't, I'm not scared of it or anything, but I don't, I, I don't think if anybody had to choose to be on the ground or in the air, most people would choose to be on the ground. Yeah. Um, I don't enjoy the whole process, the ticket encounters, the baggage, you know, going through security, all that stuff. It's, I mean, it's not enjoyable for anybody. And then, you know, it actually <laughs> irritates me when you hear the people, when there's a flight delay, the travel probably three times a year, when they're so upset that yeah. something went wrong. And you're just sitting there like, listen, if you, if you did this 35 times, you know, you'd be so upset. But, um, no, Stan, when I was working with him, you know, aside from <laughs> all the tennis and, and stuff, this it's one of the things he taught me. You know, I, I stick to one airline and, and you know you get status with that airline and uh and it really helps in terms of like checking in you, yeah. know, you get to skip the lines you right. can pre-board you know i can always know that i'm going to fit my tennis bag on the overhead bin um you know so that makes things easier but it, it you know it's not an enjoyable process but you know i've learned how to manage everything you know i've gotten really good at folding clothes <laughs> over the years <laughs> Uh, really, really small and condensed. Do you um, use a vacuum bag? No. Can I just give you that tip? You use a vacuum bag? I absolutely do. I don't. I, I found one that's not that you don't need a vacuum for because obviously we don't have access to vacuums on the road. Right. But yeah, it's one. It's a foldable one, and so yeah, it just you, you squish it, it so takes the air out. How much can you stuff in there? Tons. Really? Like yeah, I, I just used it for the last trip in NorCal, and I I had space in my my bag I, which I'd never had before because I just folded and you know folded over and it doesn't outweigh like it doesn't weigh over no. or nothing no and as a result now I pack less oh, wow. I, I went down from from NorCal to this trip from 49.5 pounds I'd gotten really good at that's, getting exactly to 49.5 that's really good like that's a skill that I'm pretty proud yeah, of yeah. but now I, I went down to 42 wow so I was just like why and I don't actually need that just don't need that because now I've got some space. Well, I'll just I'll just throw in one extra pair of shoes that are pretty light. Yeah, I got that space, so I don't need to. Seven pounds lighter. That's amazing. So vacuum bag. Okay. Take a look. I'll consider it. Um, you of course got free clothes coming to you all the time. So I mean, if you need it from Adidas or things, they're just going to ship things to you anyways. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> it depends where you are and how quickly things can get to you. But yeah. Are you, a, are you somebody who has the ability now, uh, has it changed for you, the ability to sleep on a plane? No, I struggle. Yeah. I really struggle. Um, if it's not at night, then I don't sleep. Going to Europe is okay because yeah. you know, you're traveling through the night or going to Australia. Yeah. I feel like when it's 14 hours, you're going to sleep. Right. Um, but coming back from Europe when you leave in the morning and you arrive also in the daytime, I'm up the entire flight. I, I just, I don't know why it is. I, I don't, I don't nap either during the day. I'm an early riser. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of, I guess how I'm wired, you know, like Mitchell can sleep any time of the day, standing up, sitting down, you know, on the planes and I'll look at him and just be like, I hate you. <laughs> but um, no, I'm, I'm up. If it's the daytime, I'm awake. So I wish I could change it, but I can't. Uh, I, so I, I don't want I don't want to say this too loud. So I'm getting this as a, a Christmas present for somebody. Remind me when we get to the courts today. I, I've got a, a Kickstarter project that you need to back because okay. I can't sleep on planes either. Okay. 
All right. I'm cool. working on it. Sweet. Uh, and I, maybe after Christmas, I'll release it on the podcast because there's going to be a Christmas present for somebody who might actually be listening to this. All right. Stay tuned, whoever it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I wanted to, uh, after after you and I talked on, on the air and we've been talking a little bit off the air in Knoxville, I, I wanted to use this podcast for you to have the opportunity to discuss whatever you wanted to. Uh, you know, because we, we were talking a little bit about broadcasting. Right. Um, your frustrations with, with broadcasting, my frustrations with broadcasting. Yeah. If you wanted to use that as a platform. I, I feel like um, you guys don't have, as a challenger player, guy who's right on the border of 100, you don't have very many opportunities to have a platform. True. Um, and so what, what are the things that are important to you? What are the things that you think get lost um, about going for Tangelo, challenger-level players, guys right on that border? I mean, I, I don't think it gets anything gets really lost, per se. Um, but I feel like, you know, some of the commentators that commentate for, you know, ESPN and, and stuff, I feel like they love to talk down on on players who are you know 60 and below and I'm not saying this to you know rip on them or anything and I hope anybody listening isn't taking this the wrong way and this is out of respect I mean obviously those guys are really good at what they do and, mm-hmm. but you know they, they tend to um, you know talk down players that are that are lower ranked and it's like if they are in the third round or the, the fourth round it's this is like the biggest thing of their career which it may be but i mean everyone is really really good yeah. you know i'm a really really good tennis player tim smijek is a really really good tennis player you know dennis kudla is really really good and everyone you know a hundred, and you can name European guys. I mean, Marius Kopel, you know, guys are blooming later and later. And, yeah. And, you know, not everybody is, is a Nick Kyrgios and a Zverev, you know, and there's a lot more guys like us than there are like them, you know. And I think it's great to see this next generation coming through and having some young Americans that are a part of that. But I think it, it's, it's bad because when people do watch tennis, you know, they don't, first of all, think it's a year-round sport. They think there's six tournaments a year because right. that's all that's on ESPN, whether it's the Four Slams and Indian Wells and Miami. Um, you know, Tennis Channel kind of holds everything else now in terms of the Masters events and all the regular tour events. So I feel like your average sports fan doesn't really see tennis on TV aside from, you know, six times a year. So... Obviously, the sport is going to promote Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, and, and whoever else, and, and they should, because without those guys, you know, tennis would even be lower on the totem pole than it is. But, you know, I think to to kind of talk down on a person like Paolo Lorenzi or call him a challenger player or journeyman, I mean... You know, did he bloom as early as he would have liked? No. Did he bloom as early as everybody else would have liked? Not at all. But, I mean, the guy is 30 in the world now, and, yeah. and I don't care how old he is. He's a really good tennis player. And, you know, I think for the average sports fan to hear the commentators sometimes say the things they say, they may switch the channel because, oh, well, I'm not watching anything big. Federer's not on TV. This guy apparently isn't that good. Yeah. And I'm going to see, you know, what else is on. So, you know, I think 
and, there, and there's some that are worse than others, and I'll never name names, you know. Yeah. But um, you know, I think all of us deserve a lot of respect. We all work hard, and we're all trying to maximize our own abilities, however high we're gonna get. You know, that's that's something we can't control. But I think everybody trains really, really hard, and everybody out here that's in a Grand Slam deserves or respect all 128 people that are in the job sure. made a Grand Slam and, you know not a lot of people can say that what can players do what can guys who are 60 and lower how can they um, this is something you and I were talking about out here how, how do you how do you make sure that you guys are available accessible um, so that when you do get that opportunity when you are in the third or fourth round of a slam um, it, it is shown, you know, you have that willingness to say, yeah, this is my opportunity and, and make it so that you can show those commentators that there is something more. I, I really don't know, you know, I mean, I think this podcast is a, is a good place to kind of start, um, you know, just letting us talk about us or whoever else it is. I mean, I have tremendous respect for every single player I play against, you know, and everyone is, is good and I'm no better or worse than, than anyone. And I've shown that I can compete with guys, you know, who are highly ranked. And, you know, do I do it on a consistent basis? No, I don't. But I'm trying my hardest to. And, and I hope, you know, people realize that as well. Um, but I, I really don't know in terms of, like, marketing ourselves. I guess you can do it through social media. It's tough because you're an individual. Yeah. And, and you're not marketing a lot of things besides yourself. And... For me, I'm not such a big social media fan, so I don't post much and, and I don't, you know, say a whole lot and, and um, you know, I really just don't like it. I don't like what it's become. I feel like it's become an outlet to complain and it's yeah. become an outlet to, uh, you know, be very negative towards other people and that's not who I am and that's not what I'm about. You it's know? the Midwestern values. Yeah, I mean, it, it, <laughs> it, it does go back to that and... Um, you know, to lose matches and to see players, you know, retweet or repost stuff that, that the betters say to them, you know, I mean, it's, it's terrible, but you're going to see it because you're, you have these things and, and some people have them because they want them and some people, you know, in my contracts, it says that I have to have a social media platform, you know, for, for marketing and for whatever, so I, I do, but I'm not sure if I was... If I wasn't a tennis player, that I would really have these things. Interesting. Well, uh, that's an interesting way to to finish our, our broadcast because I think uh, you know we're trying to keep this thirty minutes or less. If if people are interested in, in learning more about you, if people want to connect with you, what what's the best way to do that? How how do you want to uh, interact with fans and, and and get your message, if you will? I know you're not like a message guy, but yeah. how, how do you want to interact with people? Um, you know, I would love to do it face-to-face. -face. Obviously, that's hard because yeah. I'm not anywhere for more than a week ever. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, look, I, I do have Instagram and I do have Twitter. And, and I should do a better job of probably checking my direct messages and stuff because I don't do that. And, and sometimes I'll look at it and I'll have things that I should have replied to months ago. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I have all that outlet and... You know, if it's something, if fans truly want to know who I am, you know, then they can send me a regular tweet that I will see, and then I can talk to them, 
you know, or a comment on my Instagram, and I can talk to them as well. I mean, I want people to get to know me. I mean, I was on, you know, your broadcast yesterday, yeah. and I was pretty frank with what I was you saying. You are, absolutely. And I don't really hide, you know, anything from anyone, because I really, truly want people to know who I am, and I want to have two different personas, like one public and one private. Yeah. And, you know, I'm... I'm Bjorn Fratangelo and that's and that's who I want to be and if people don't like it then then that's their problem it's not really mine first coffee of the day yes will there be more um I don't think so no I'm not really an afternoon guy or a okay. late afternoon guy okay because um, you've got the late match tonight. yeah I do I, I could probably use some but I, I I don't know I had a bad experience once with coffee in uh, in Savannah, when okay. I lost to Hun Hyun Chung, okay, I was like super jittery to start the match, really and, like, sweating profusely, and and I don't know, I guess I had a really strong cup because we had that rain delay. Yep. And you remember? Yeah. So I got on the court and I was, I said, never will I ever do that again. So we'll play never will I ever on the next podcast. Yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> All right, Bjorn Fratangelo, aka Bjorn Fratangelo. Try to get rid of that within the next couple of years. Thank you for joining us on the Coffee Cat. Thank you, Mike.